With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. And what's up? Welcome in. It is GC Live Friday episode of the show, also known as the South Carolina versus Kentucky preview show. So uh, obviously we love when you catch it live on YouTube, Facebook and Twitter. But if not, uh, hopefully this can serve as maybe some game day listening as you roll into town. Probably probably very early early in what, Chris, I believe will be um, one of the best tailgating atmospheres and best game day atmospheres that we've seen at williams Bryce Stadium, um, certainly at least since 2019, and, and maybe even uh, before that. I think a lot of excitement, as you would expect, surrounding this game. And we're going to dive into it with final thoughts on the matchup. And we're going to have a, a little recruiting corner as well, because this is a this is a weekend that the, the recruiting side of this uh, deserves its own segment, I, I believe. So we're going to dive into that a little bit later on. But first, got to tell you about our good friend Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. Uh, ClintHammond.com is how you can get more information on Clint, or you can give him a call, 803 771 6933. The NMLS number is 71597. And uh, you can also email Clint C. Hammond, that's the letter C, Hammond at MortgageNetwork.com. He is the branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network. Office is right over there across from Dreer High School. As always, if you're in the market for a new home or maybe just want to find out what you could possibly save on your monthly payment uh, with a refinance, give Clint a shout, 803-771-6933. Chris, we are almost there. The hay is almost in the barn. Um, Whatever South Carolina has prepared for Kentucky, whatever Kentucky has prepared for South Carolina, is pretty much in. So um, the game is here. Uh, Obviously, as I said on the lead-in, there, there's a lot of excitement, some buzz around Columbia getting ready for this thing. Um, a very, I believe, winnable game for South Carolina. I believe a fourth-quarter football game is upon us, and those are always fun. But um, to me, man, the reason this game has, uh, I guess, taken on the scale that it has, not because it's not because it's a must-win. I hate that phrase. But, you know, must-win basically – the only must wins you have for a particular football team is when it's an elimination game. Like in any other time, there's no such thing as a must win game, in my opinion, because if you have must win games in week four of a season, well, what do you do the rest of the year? What, what do you do the rest of the Beamer era? This is game four of a first year head coach. Um, now that I've gotten that out of the way, this is a massive game. South Carolina and I look at it as a massive opportunity for South Carolina and it's because it's a swing game 
regardless of how South Carolina got to two and one, how it played out, uh, you know, was the defense what you thought? Was the offense what you thought? Did you think South Carolina would beat East Carolina more? Um, how, however you thought they would get there. On paper, most people would have had South Carolina at two and one going into this football game. Now is when you sort of get into that. Kentucky fans feel like they're going to win the game. South Carolina fans feel like they're going to win the game. Most neutral observers probably feel like it's going to be a pretty tight football game that anything could happen. So, um, two, dude, three and one just looks way different than two and two. It does. And, and I was on with uh, Jay and Pearson and Tommy, the halftime show, right before this on 107.5 The Game, Wes, and – they led off actually with almost exactly what you did, saying that Jay, to credit properly, said the must-win thing, no, no go. But how big is it? It kind of measure that. And so my response was along the same lines of, of what you're saying and what I'll kind of repeat or paraphrase here. You know, South Carolina is where everybody thought they'd be. Now, maybe you had different opinions. Oh, well, ECU shouldn't have been close or Georgia should have been closer. There's been a lot of talk about the offense. T- throw all that out. Throw that all, all out. Let's talk about record. Going into this year, it would have been perfectly reasonable to say South Carolina could slash should be 2-1 and one after those first two games. If you came in expecting to beat this Georgia team in Athens, I would recommend let's dial back the expectations, right? You, need to, you needed to reset that. That was an unrealistic expectation. If it happened, great, but you didn't need to expect it. So – now, Wes, where this team is, is they're getting into a part of the schedule where we're going to find out a little bit more about this team and where they are in terms of progress. Now it's Kentucky at home. It's Troy at home. It's at Tennessee. It's versus Vandy. Then starting on October 23rd, you got at A&M, Florida, at Missouri, another one of those potential swing games versus Auburn at home, right, and you end with Clemson. But they're, they're getting into this stretch in the schedule um, where they've got some of those swing games. And those are the ones that were going to be so critical to where does this team end up? Now, if South Carolina loses against Kentucky, maybe they go lose at Missouri this year, maybe both. That That isn't to throw in the towel, say this team didn't improve this season. The Beamer era is off to a bad start. But if they can go and get good results in this stretch of the schedule, that was the goal, right? The goal this year, for being realistic, was not go win 10 games. Unrealistic this year with the schedule and where things are. But realistic to think, hey, go go win one of these swing games or two or more. And Kentucky is one of those. So the on paper, Wes, you know, expectation that Vegas has set, and, and I think it's totally fair, is Kentucky's favorite. Completely fair. Win a bowl game, though, for South Carolina, yes. And so there's the recruiting angle of how big this is from that aspect. And it's also big because this would be a significant win. And this would put this team, like you said, at 3-1 and one with a chance to go to 4-1 and one and kind of start notching those victories that this team needs to get to bowl eligibility. Well, and I think, uh, yeah, should Kentucky be favored in this game? Yes. Um, again, we'll go back to our, our 10 games. If they play 10, you know, I got Kentucky winning probably six of them. Um, and it, you know, at the early part of a season, Chris, you're dealing with incomplete information. That, that's why you play the games. You play the games to find out, um, where these teams stack up. And by the end of the year, you hope you have a decent feel for that. 
it, now you're going to have outliers, right? You're going to, you know, on paper, South Carolina should have never beaten Auburn last year, but it happened. But uh, it, until South Carolina sort of proves it, it's taken a step forward, uh, it makes sense for Kentucky to, to be favored. Now, I, I think what this game sort of starts to do, and I think this is what you're saying, it's just a, di- it's a different way of saying it, this game starts to almost set – like, what, what are the true expectations moving forward for this rebuild? Like, how how far off is South Carolina? Like, is South Carolina already a team that can sort of scrap out a bowl win and or a bowl uh, berth, I should say, that can get to a point where they go to a bowl game and then sort of try to just take that – is that the platform? Or is the platform right now that you're just better than Vandy in the East and sort of fighting to, to be above, you know, anything above that? that you know, there's, there's a lot of power rankings that, that have South Carolina down at the, at the bottom of that conversation. Let's call it for what it is. So to me, this is when you start to figure out is South Carolina that middle of the pack SEC East team that is going to battle with Kentucky battle with Tennessee, battle with Missouri, um, or are they basically a step above Vanderbilt and they're going to struggle to beat Kentucky, struggle to beat Missouri, struggle to beat Tennessee? Like I I think we start – not that one game will tell us that, but we start to find out. And I I think this is the first game where we're going to have to start to see what adjustments can South Carolina make. I I think – do you want to go – wholesale changes offensively, that's probably good for nobody. You can't just take, you know, and and Satterfield said as much. He said, we're not going to be reactive. But are you going to have to make some tweaks? Are you going to have to start to, you know, I I believe the cliche, uh, something to hang their hat on is probably going to be repeated quite a bit because that's what they have to do, man. They have to find something offensively to hang their hat on. Uh, You know, you and I were talking before we came on air. South Carolina, the last couple of years, obviously Kentucky blew South Carolina out in Kentucky, final game of the season last year. Let's be honest, the season was pretty much over at that point. You had several opt-outs, an interim coach. South Carolina literally was hiring Shane Beamer as that game was going on. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, that, what, what do you even take from that game? But Kentucky blew South Carolina out. South Carolina ran the football against Kentucky last year. Kevin Harris had 200 yards plus. South Carolina ran the football against uh, – rem- do you remember the Kentucky 2019 game? That was really when South Carolina started to get its running game going Um, because that's when the pin and pull sort of became their bread and butter, and then they beat Georgia the next week. So can they start to find what they do well on offense this week? Um, I believe is sort of the – the the thing if you're a Carolina fan you're gonna and you really you're gonna start to know mid you know mid second quarter I think by the end of the first quarter mid second quarter you're gonna have to start to have a feel that uh, this thing's either going much better or it's going about the same you will and, and so it is kind of a key like like a critical point in the season because look if let's say South Carolina had played you know, two games, three games, and, and, you know, they were using the Georgia game for this, like, same thing where you've got to, you know, change the offense. And, and when we say change the offense, I think there's two aspects to it. Number one, 
they've got to eliminate just the silly stuff. So penalties and, and look, some of that goes back to just the atmosphere in Georgia. You hope as a Gamecock fan that Kentucky struggles with some of those same things, but we documented that, you know, some of these guys, South Carolina's team, it's the first time they played in a full stadium atmosphere, Georgia. I mean, the place was rocking by all accounts. I was not there, but it was rocking by all accounts. And so some of that was, yeah, they, they struggle maybe due to the crowd noise that no one went into that a little bit clapping and nobody moves. Uh, that was a factor, right? But there are also, we, we, we've talked about it over and over, there's a lot of issues, you know, with communication, things like that. Now, Georgia is not a good team to work that out against, you know. But as we have said, they that game kind of exposed some things, not just the fact that Georgia's got superior players, if we're being realistic, but it exposed, okay, there might be some underlying issues here in, in all phases of the game, but particularly on offense. It wasn't just Georgia whipped some guys up front or Georgia's got great athletes. Those things were present. But it was also, and, and this is evident by how much has been discussed afterwards by the coaching staff, by fans, by players, there, there are some things that have got to be cleaned up here. This is a critical time because you're not playing another Georgia. Now you have a chance against Kentucky, a more winnable game, where maybe you can work some of those things out. And so I agree with you. It is That is the one of the more critical factors in this game. I think defensively there's a lot to worry about too. But offensively, you've got to clean some things up. And so it starts with, you know, clean up the penalties and things like that. But also schematically, will we see anything different? You know, what what kind of tweaks will we see? Luke Doty's presence, that'll be significant. That's kind of a third layer to it. So interesting matchup for sure, particularly with, you know, what they'll do offensively. And I, I agree with you. I think we'll get a good look early. So to me, you know, I, I go back to something I've, I've probably said multiple times this week. Um, th- this is a game where South Carolina, and I said this on our, our preview day of thing that will run on, on Saturday morning as well. This is a game South Carolina's fan base has got to make an impact um, because this is a Kentucky team that has put the, ground, put the ball on the ground at times. They have put the ball in danger at times. And I, I think that um, – you're going to have to be opportunistic if you're South Carolina. And the way to do that, the way you force mistakes is by your – not just your play on the field. That's one thing that a crowd can actually have, um, you know, an effect on when you have a lot of these guys that have not um, played in an atmosphere like they're going to play in on, on Saturday. So, Chris, have you seen – and I'm going to give credit here uh, to John Clay from uh, – what's I know it's Kentucky.com, but it's – Lexington Herald leader. Have you seen his article this week about Kentucky's road record under Mark Stoops? No, I, I vaguely remember seeing some type of statistic about that, but did not read the article. So I sound like those people I complain about on social media is not reading the article, but seeing something that I didn't well, read. Well, I'm going to help you out. So, so John Clay says that, uh, Kentucky under Mark Stoops is eight and twenty-five on the road against, um, actually not against SC opponents, against all opponents. So, so eight and twenty-five on the road. That to me is probably that. There's enough data there that that is a bit of a trend. Now, why it happens, who you played, all that stuff, whatever. They're they're six and eleven. Um, 
more recently. So um, still not great. And, you know, I, I, I was thinking yesterday when you were talking, you know, before we had uh, Jeff Drummond on, you were talking about sort of the, the patience that Kentucky showed as, as an administration and, uh, you know, the Joker Phillips years. And, you know, I, I think part, part, of, part of Joker Phillips' issue is, like you said, he was going backwards and um, he was following uh, Brooks, who had done uh, really an, an excellent job there at, at Kentucky. But I really started to think about that number and um, their record under Stoops. I almost think that South Carolina and the South Carolina-Kentucky game is the difference in Stoops being on solid ground and being in the same place as Joker Phillips. Because think about how much South Carolina owned Kentucky for that decade prior. And if you looked at anybody's, any coach's total career record, that, that you're stacking, you're adding 10 losses in there. Now you're eliminating those losses every year, but what one in the last, uh, I've seen the number so many times. Uh, is it six out of seven? Is that correct? I, I think, think, I think that's it. Kentucky is one. Yeah. Something like that. Five, seven, six, seven. Um, so my point being that, that sort of switching that, series to being all completely Kentucky versus all completely South Carolina is massive in his career win-loss record compared to the guys before him. So if that, to me, this, this game, like I said, it's not must-win, but does does putting yourself back in a position to be the winner in this series more often than not, which is what Kentucky has done, put that program, whether it's Kentucky or South Carolina, in a much better, easier road to the first step, bowl eligibility, than, um, you know, than maybe any other series in, in, in the East. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, Mark Stoops, you know, definitely got an assist on that. And, dude, I mean, Jeff mentioned it yesterday. Jeff Drummond mentioned it. It was like the heat was hot (laughs) on Mark Stoops, like after that year three, even earlier than that, right? But it it was – the heat was hot. And even after that year three, you know, they they bring him back, right, after a five and seven year. Then in 2016, they actually finished second in the East. But they were seven and six. So a lot of people still looking around and say, see, I told you, you know – you know, year four, and this is what you're building towards, and it's still seven and six, just kind of okay. You know, 2018, they end up going 10 and three. Um, you know, that Kentucky beat South Carolina that 2015 year. Now, that wasn't a very good South Carolina team, as we know. They won three games, Spurrier, you know, resigning year. But that was probably a key win for them, too, because uh, they take that game 26 to 22 at Williams Bryce. That team, you know, instead of going four and eight in year three and going backwards, they they're five and seven in year three, which is the same. And instead of being one and seven in conference, they're two and six. It's not great, obviously, but it, it helps some, right? And then twenty sixteen, they win. Twenty seventeen, they win. You know, so 
it certainly did help, I think, winning one of those swing games. And you can kind of point to that as illustrating, hey, we're, we're making some moves here in that kind of middle of the pack. And that's kind of where South Carolina is now. Like you said earlier, we don't, we don't know if they're there yet. We don't know if they're, okay, on the level or maybe even past. If they beat all of these teams this year, you could argue they're past Tennessee, Missouri, Kentucky. Or they still a decent amount behind them and just in front of Andy, so I can get my Vandy shot in today. But we don't we don't know yet. But they're they're in a similar position that Kentucky's been in in the past, and that South Carolina game was important to them. This Kentucky game is important for South Carolina too. Yeah, and, and no doubt, man. I, I think um, it, it, now the other side of this, if Kentucky wins, I think people may start to talk about them. Because if they win, I think that means Will Levis has has played a good game. I, I I'm I'm curious to watch more of this kid because I think he has the upside to potentially be one of the sort of upper quarterbacks in the SEC. So if he plays to that standard, people may start to talk about Kentucky as the dark horse. Um, you know, in the East, all we've talked about is Georgia. Um, obviously, Florida is sort of most people's pick as sort of the, the next team in the East. But um, dude, Kentucky may, maybe is in that conversation if, if they start out 2-0 and in SEC play, and they've gotten past Missouri, which is a certainly a, a swing game from their perspective. So, all right, we're going to get into the actual game. But first, let's get into the recruiting side of things, Chris. We just posted another, I would say, pretty big update to the list of guys. If you're a Gamecock Central subscriber, Go check that out. The list of – I was kind of laughing at that quote from Beamer where he was talking about the list would take 30 minutes. It took him 30 minutes to go through the list. And now he was getting updates throughout the week on uh, on his list, on his end, and how it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I was like, that's – you know, as we've been updating our list on Gamecock Central, it's been getting longer and longer and longer. Um, go check that out if you have not already. But um, I don't – you know, that I don't want to like sort of – go completely into the world of hyperbole here, Chris. But um, because, you know, there have been some big weekends. Let's not not pretend like even under Muschamp, like there were weekends where South Carolina had a bunch of big-time prospects on their campus. So I kind of hate when people just like look back and just revisionist history and they're like, well, this never happened before. But I will say, man, with with no recruits – being able to visit last year and you know the EIU game it was clearly not a huge push to get a bunch of guys in for that game this this is definitely one of the best lists I've seen in a long time as far as the combination of some official visitors some some final 2022 unofficial you know Dane Key coming in from Kentucky but really, dude, when you start looking at 2023 and 2024, the guys South Carolina can start to start to set that table with. Um, this this list has a little bit of everything. Yeah, they they've been eyeing this week, Wes, for a long time. You know, because think back to how long Jamari Lyons' official visit. You know, the big defensive tackle out of Florida. It's been scheduled for a while. Like they they clearly eyed this visit. I think it was set in the summer or something you know, as they pointed out to this weekend, not just, hey, first home game. Because, you know, there were aspects of the first home game. It's the first one under Shane Beamer. It's the first time that prospects can 
actually visit. You know, last year they had to buy their own tickets, sit in the stands. They could actually visit, but they pushed more people towards this because it's more of a marquee game, better you know, SEC game, better atmosphere, and they clearly have targeted getting a lot of their recruits in. So big for the senior class of some of the guys you mentioned, three official visitors, Lions, Antonio Williams, obviously, you know, a huge one, and Jay Sean Barham. But I, I think Wes equally as big, the 2023 and 2024 classes, the amount of in-state priority guys that they have from those classes that are coming in, out-of-state guys, this is such an important time to lay the groundwork for those guys. And after, you know, I, I look back to, you know, camps, for instance, no camps, you know, the year before. And that was a huge thing. And so when camps returned, that was so significant because prospects could actually come and camp. You get a look at them and they're able to, lots of guys came on and had never seen the new facilities, for example. You get to show them that. Well, a lot of these guys have never seen the game atmosphere, whether they're, you know, Barham has not, but even a lot of the underclassmen have not, or they haven't in a while. And so that's why this is such an important kind of foundation builder for those guys to come in and see it. So um, official visit wise, man, I, you know, I look at these three guys, as you said, the word Beamer used was difference makers. I think obviously he couldn't speak to them specifically, but um, we know who he was talking about when he was talking about the three official visitors. And I I like that designation, man, because I look at all these guys as being fairly instant impact type players. I, I know certainly Antonio Williams, the amount of effort that has been put into that kid from really the moment the staff arrived, um, for one, has been impressive, but two, just uh, to, to me sort of shows what, um, what uh, A, he, he means to South Carolina, but B, just how good of a, a player he is. I'm, I'm probably I'm, – I'm going to try to actually make it out. Dutch Fork's playing at home for the first time in forever. Um, tonight against Spartanburg which uh, should actually be a pretty decent matchup. So I'm, I'm hoping to get over there and see Antonio Williams play uh, before his official visit this weekend. And uh, to me, man, this kid just uh, looks like somebody that could come in and make plays on South Carolina's offense and potentially play a, as a true freshman. Yeah, it's been a it's been a long process for South Carolina ever since this you know this coaching staff got put in place. Wes, that was probably the first guy that we started hearing about in terms of how big a priority he would be. And it made sense. I mean, he's a kid, attends high school right down the road, big position of need. Um, Eric Kimry, his, his ties being Dutch Fork, you know, a Dutch Fork alum. Justin Stepp obviously came in with a, a reputation as a really good recruiter of wide receivers. You knew he would give it his best effort. And then Shane Beamer, of course, with his talk about, you know, wanting to make sure that they keep the best in-state guys in the state. You look at, and I'm not comparing these, but a lot of the guys that Shane Beamer has talked about in the past when he says that I've seen it done at South Carolina, a lot of the guys that he lists off were South Carolina kids, like kids from the state of South Carolina. Now, there's not a Jadavion Clowney out there, right? But there are a lot of really good players that could go to many of the schools in the country that they want. Some of them have their are going to have their pick or do have their pick. So that extends to the 23 and 24 class, and that's why this is so important. But Antonio, you know, he's he's a guy that I think his stock has just continued to go up, Wes, as, as people see him. Uh, he's quick. 
He can play multiple. I think he can play multiple spots. You can line him up at multiple places at receiver. There's no doubt that if Carolina is able to sign him, he's a guy that's going to play early and often uh, with his skill set. Yeah, you see him playing some running back right here, man. I mean, um, th- this is a kid that I don't know. It's a it's a true battle, and I, I'm curious to see because it it we we thought, and even right here on the show, right? Remember we had Jason Barnes on. It it looked like. He, he may be an early commit candidate and uh, you know, that, that has not happened. The the process is sort of extended out and then it's sort of South Carolina and Ole Miss, but Clemson is still lurking. You have Auburn still lurking. Auburn looks like it's going to get an official visit. So there, there's a lot sort of that's, that's played out here where if you're South Carolina, you, you need this weekend to go well, man. And, and not that it's going to be a situation where he, you know, just commits to the Gamecocks. Uh, obviously, he's not ready to to make a decision, but um, you have to keep some momentum going with him. Probably needs to see a decent showing from the offense, and just can for him though, Chris. I think it's just about continuing to build those relationships, whether it's with Step um, or, or just the current players. You know, I'll be curious to see even who who hosts him. To me, may, maybe a carry on joiner makes sense. Uh, just a very personable all around guy. Um, who could maybe, um, you know, kind of put, put the program's best foot forward. Yeah, that, that is going to be interesting. And I, I can't even think of the example kind of caught me unaware of Joiner hosted somebody, I think this summer that was a pretty key recruit that I thought was an interesting matchup. I don't even know if it was a receiver. I think it just might've been kind of a random position, but he's certainly someone that's, you know, a very good advocate for the program, someone that they've counted on to be a, a kind of a leader and ambassador and obviously, he's an in-state kid who decided to to stay in South Carolina and stay at South Carolina after facing some adversity with you know being moved from quarterback to receiver and kind of bounced a little bit. Um, so he he would certainly be a good one. But you know, Antonio West, as we as we've documented over and over, you know, not a huge fan of the recruiting process, doesn't talk a ton, um, but is is plenty familiar with South Carolina and the staff. You use the phrase putting their best foot forward. Look, I, I don't think there's anything else that they could be doing or, or could have done up to this point. And, it, you know, I mentioned it's it's been a process that started the day Shane Beamer got here. It'll continue and, until the day that Antonio, you know, commits, whenever that may be. It is going to be a battle. Uh, but they're they're giving it everything they've got. And I think this weekend is indeed, you know, a key part of that. Let's go into Jay Sean Barham now, uh, Chris. That's who y'all see on your screen if you're watching on the YouTube version. Um, either my head just turned crooked or this camera is extremely crooked on this video for some reason. But um, Barham actually play, plays in space quite a bit on, on this tape here, Chris, but a guy that's going to be more of an edge guy for South Carolina, four-star prospect, and a, an example of – Mike P, a noted GC Live fan, as I say every time I bring him up. Mike Peterson, a uh, kind of work. He, he kind of works behind the scenes really well with some of these big time guys. Man, he was instrumental in South Carolina getting Jordan Birch, and ha- has been very, very involved here in keeping South Carolina in the mix with Jay Sean. Um, and, and now they they get their real chance. He, you know, the kid was down for an unofficial, but this is when you get your real chance and coming off a, a Penn State visit that I'm sure went great. A Penn State atmosphere we all saw was was outstanding. Give credit where it's due. So, again, a, another reason why it's important for 
um, that there to be a great atmosphere at the game on Saturday night. And I, I think the key there is something that you mentioned with Penn State. You know, this is a guy that is, is from Maryland. And so the DMV area and, and then Penn State, some of the schools in that region, South Carolina is going to have to pull him away from those schools. And that's been, I think, the key question throughout this recruitment. You know, South Carolina has done a really good job. Mike Peterson, you know, leading that charge of getting in the game and staying in the game, you know, getting the summer unofficial visit, getting this official visit on a big game weekend. This is the game that's kind of been circled for him for a while too, of hoping you can get him in and, and that's coming to fruition. So, uh, you know, that's the key. Can, can you, can you pull him out of that region? Because he is a guy that some people have described him as kind of like a homebody type. If you can get him away, South Carolina has a good chance, but obviously with, with that home factor and, and a school like Penn state, that's recruiting extremely well, just had a great atmosphere that he was at this past weekend for a really big game. You know, that can be a tough proposition, but Mike Peterson's done a, a really good job with him and they're going to continue taking a swing at, at this uh, four-star talent. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on him as a player, man? Cause I, I think, you know, rightfully so we all look at this South Carolina defensive front and, and we're impressed. We're impressed with what they've done, but in recruiting, you, you always kind of have to have an eye to the future and, they're they're already you know Aaron Sterling's an older guy JJ Nangbari's an older guy it to me uh, it's very important for South Carolina to continue to uh, add talent to those edge positions because we may look at some positions right now and say that 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 position's a greater need receiver may be a greater need but uh, if you really start to look I would say Chris even very quickly into the future um, the edge position. Uh, is one they're going to have to continue to, to sort of stack talent, and and this kid uh, appears to be a, a big time prospect. Yeah, Sterling and Enigbari being you know upperclassmen. Uh, Jordan Birch next year will be a junior, you know, so uh, if he wants to be classified as a junior, but probably will be. So it's you know it is very important to to continue you know trying to replenish and stack that talent. But yeah, he's a really interesting player because he can he can play off the edge and pass rush but can also play in space, like you said, um, at linebacker. He does that a lot on tape. Barham's a, a personal favorite of our buddy Kev Roche, Wes. He is a, is a big fan, has him on kind of his hot board. Maybe we need to get Kev on the show as a guest to break down his personal recruiting Kev Roche big board. That would be an outstanding guest. Actually. I believe his first priority is that they have an awesome name. Yes, he does. He does go for the name for sure. Um, and that was, you know, Kev loved Tank Bigsby, obviously coming out of high school, as we know. Um, very good player and very good name. Didn't work out. But yeah, Jay Sean Barham, obviously a, a really, a really cool name, good football name, but good player, man. I mean, this is someone who, you know, when you watch how he moves and the different things he can do, he'd be a really nice kind of canvas for for Mike Peterson to paint on, so to speak, um, if if they're able to get him. So I, I think it's gonna be a battle. But they're they're in the mix, and I think that's all you can ask for is to have a shot for a kid that's out of state like this, getting them in on an official visit on a key weekend like this. A canvas for him to paint on. We're we're getting we're getting deep into the analogies here. Well, um, let me. So I'll, I'll segue. Not a canvas to paint on, but a canvas of sorts for your feet. Dead soxy. 
Is that, nah, it was okay. Not as good as yesterday. Uh, but Gamecock fans, go to deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. We are partnering with them for the 2021 season once again. Great group over there at Dead Soxy, and they happen to make fabulous socks. So you can see some of them there on your screen, but they have tons, men's, women's, athletic, no-shows. They've got uh, dress socks. And the good news is you can get 25% off your entire order with your promo code cocky at deadsoxy.com. I will try to do better on the segue next time. The people were loving the segue yesterday. I'll say that. It was decent. Um, I mean, it, it would be tough to ask you to back-to-back um, hit that same standard, man. Let's let's talk a bit about Jamari Lyons here, Vieira, Florida. Again, as you said, man, this is a visit that's been – seems like it's been on the books for, for three years now. Um, but it, it's finally happening. Jimmy Lindsay has been, you know – really busting it to try to get South Carolina in the mix here. It's a final two situation. Florida is going to be tough to beat. Let's go ahead and say that right off the bat. Florida has been the perceived favorite. If you follow, Chris, the people who do what we do, but for Florida, most of them sort of have him in their like projected classes or whatever. Um, So most people think he ends up there. But South Carolina is in the final two. I believe a decision is coming. Um, October 6th, so right right around the corner. What what do you th- first of all, what do you think of Lions as as a player, man, and what ha- what needs to happen this weekend for South Carolina? Well, just eyeballing them in person, um, it, it certainly matches up with what you would would see and expect to see in person. When you look at the film, he looks like a big, you know, athletic, powerful kid, and so we had a chance to eyeball him. The size is definitely there. He, he's not a guy that you look at like there's some kids you see on film, you're not really sure how big they are. Well, Lions matches up to that. He has, you know, legitimate size. Had a really good unofficial, you know, this summer to South Carolina. So big weekend, obviously, to, to get a little bit back into the recruiting aspect of it. But, yeah, as a player, you really like the film. Um, you see him, powerful kid. Um, you see him take on double teams. You see him beating guys one-on-one. He has a really good first step off the ball. I'll go back to my phrase, Wes. A lot to like about this guy. A lot to like about him. But but I do agree. Florida, I mean, the people around Florida seem to feel pretty good about it. Jamari Lyons has even named Florida as his leader at times. And he struck up a friendship with Gervon Dexter, who's one of the really good defensive linemen at Florida. So it is, I don't want to say uphill battle, but, but Florida's the team to beat, right? So that's kind of the standard that you have to surpass. On top of that, you're, you're not only beating Florida – but you're beating a Florida for a Florida kid. You know, he, he's from the Sunshine State, so you have to overcome all those different things. And they're in the mix. And, and again, this is where – this is all you can ask for is to is to get an official visit and have that opportunity down the stretch. Yeah, and I, I, like, I like his size, man. This is a guy that adds some legitimate height to that position, legitimate SEC defensive tackle size. So I think that's something South Carolina – is trying to add. I did appreciate uh, somebody on Facebook a few minutes ago saying that they have not seen much on recruiting and said that they there's three big recruits coming, but that they could not name them. Nikki, at, literally as we were talking about the three official visitors, um, there is, if you go to GamecockCentral.com, Nikki, there's a free story that names all three guys if you were not listening to us talk about it. So, You've got, uh, again, three big official visits, but 
a ton of unofficial visits that also down the road are going to be massive. We're not going to go through every single one of them. Obviously, you know, from a 2022 standpoint, Chris, I think you got to look at a guy we just recently added that um, is an expected visitor, James Pierce, another edge guy from the Charlotte area that will be in. And then Dane Key, interesting, you know, I I got to think South – I don't think South Con is the favorite, but it's just – it's intriguing to me that he took the official visit over the summer. And he even told – he told me right after the official that he was coming back for an unofficial for the Kentucky game. And, kid, you know, when kids say, I'm going to take a visit then, and it's like months ahead of time, I sort of put it in the back of my mind, but you don't lock it in, right? The, the fact that he is – going to take that visit. Um, there are some sort of prior connections here. Um, Greg Atkins has connections to his family. Um, I think Clayton White has some connections there. There are some reasons for him to be comfortable with South Carolina staff. If he decides he wants to branch out, he is a Kentucky legacy. So I'm sure the, the jaded folks, maybe rightfully so, may just say, well, he's going to come watch Kentucky play. But if you get him on your campus, that's never a bad thing. He's a four-star guy, certainly somebody that the staff would like to have in their class. Yeah, and, and so I think those connections do help South Carolina. You're right. Atkins has some ties, and uh, Clayton White coached at Western Kentucky, um, Dan Key's older brother in the secondary, right? So helpful, and, and there's some good relationships, and they've done a good job recruiting, and this isn't the first visit. You know, like you said, he took an official over the summer. Now, it is, I mean, this is a Kentucky kid, and his dad played there, Kentucky Legacy. So is it going to be, you know, are they the team to beat? Yes. Everybody else that's recruiting Dan Key is kind of looking at Kentucky and saying, pointing at them and saying, you got to beat Kentucky for this kid. But, again, I'll, I'll get back to this. It, it's hard to say. It's hard to write the story for sure before this happens. This is a spot where – it's important to get him back in for this game. He hasn't been on campus in a while. The game atmosphere, will this be his first visit to Columbia for a game, Wes? Probably so. I don't know for sure. We'll make sure we ask. But I think so. And so that that's an important component. So things could go as well as possible. Dane Key could fall in love with South Carolina. And at the end of the day, because he's a Lexington kid, because his dad played there, he might say, I, I just I can't do it. I got to go to Kentucky. Right. But – this gives you a shot, and they've certainly been in the mix there. And Nikki says that he was typing. Sorry, um, I'm just messing with you, Nikki. I really am. We we like to we like like to bust uh, some. Yeah, we like to give people a hard time here. So, Chris uh, and Travis says has the ship sailed on Gibson, referring to Jaden Gibson. I'm guessing. Yes, I mean I I think uh, you know there was talk that Jaden would would take an official visit to South Carolina. Now there's talk he'll decide soon. No official has been set or, or wasn't set as of recently. So yeah, I, I don't. I, I think South Carolina a very very long shot at this point with Jaden Gibson. Um, do we do we do a little more recruiting, man, or should we should we get into final thoughts on the game? I I do I do have to mention. Uh, we don't have to go in depth on this, but the level of quarterbacks they're going to be at South Carolina tomorrow. Um, Dude, I mean, uh, we've talked about Dylan Lonergan 
how good this kid is. I mean, he has emerged as um, sort of the priority 2023 guy, but then the, the top two quarterbacks in the state of South Carolina for 2024, um, Jaden Bradford and Jaden Davis, both going to be on campus. Um, Pro Franklin, the 2022 kid from Greenville, um, who's a, a good player in his own right, will be on campus. Um, I don't know if Braden, Braden Davis is in this week or not, the South Carolina commit. But um, he has been – he was at the first game for South Carolina. So, But, dude, the, the quarterback talent that will be on campus all at one time is, uh, is off the charts for South Carolina on Saturday. Yeah, that's a significant storyline. You know, it's uh, – Pro Franklin's a guy that – man, the staff likes him a, a good bit. And if, if there were at some point room for a second quarterback, you know, he would be a guy to watch in this class. But that, right now – I think so. We'll, we'll see kind of how things play out as as thing as time goes on. But you got Davis committed. Obviously, Lonergan, who you're playing some clips of here, Eric Kimry, uh has that school. Uh, Brookwood head coach Philip Jones actually played at South Carolina and, and knows Eric Kimry quite quite well. And so Kimry's got that school on the recruiting trail and scouted Lonergan recently. We saw him this summer in Camp West. Marcus Satterfield was watching him closely. And he put on an impressive performance. Really good baseball player also. So he's one of these guys that you know, we see a lot of this from quarterbacks nowadays. He can throw the ball on the run. He can run it. He can throw it from different arm angles and has a lot of natural, you know, talent as he throws it. So you you, you put him on campus, a guy that South Carolina's got a really good chance with. And then you also factor in those two, you know, underclassmen from the Palmetto State and Jaden Davis and Jaden Bradford. It's a, it's a really, really interesting group and a, a group that has a lot of talent. Yeah, this uh, this film you're watching right now is actually from the first four games of his uh, current season. So, yeah, these are uh, – Travis asking if that's new. Uh, yes, brand new film. And uh, kid is talented, man. I think with him the thing is just can you avoid baseball? You know, can you avoid uh, Major League Baseball? Because – He's going to have a decision to make there. Does he want to go be, you know, a high draft pick in Major League Baseball or does he want to go play college football? So that's something to keep an eye on with Dylan. But if you're South Carolina, man, this kid's good enough that you you take your chances, I think. You uh, you take your chances and roll with it because he is a uh, potential program changer. And, you know, he's a pro-style quarterback, but actually, as you see in this clip, I think sort of demonstrates his ability to get out of the pocket a little bit, throw on the run, take off running, um, and, uh, and and do some things there. Quick release as well. Smart kid. Kind of just has it all that you're looking at at the quarterback position. All right, let's get into final thoughts on South Carolina versus Kentucky. We'll close out this Friday show. And, um, Chris, I've been trying to think in terms of matchups, man, and um, – you know, keys to victory you can read about on Gamecock Central. We'll have that story up uh, as soon as this show is over. And um, matchups to watch for me. Uh, I, I start, again, we talked about it all week with Wondell Robinson. And, um, you know, can, can South Carolina's nickelbacks keep up with him or can South Carolina come up with a plan to neutralize him? Um, and then for me, I, I was writing some of these things down earlier, man. For me, uh, the right tackle, uh, Darian Kennard, there um, – is it Kennard or Kennard? Do you know? I think it's Kennard, but don't okay. quote me on it. All right, Dude. well, I am quoting you on it. Darian Kennard. <laughs> um, 
you know, I, I read about these guys, but I don't always hear how, you know, how exactly to, to say their name, which is bad for an audio video show, but y'all have to bear with me. We do try to at least do our research on um, guys to talk about for the other team. So you kind of have an all American matchup here, man, with him against uh, JJ Enigbare at least about half the time. I actually went and checked PFF because I wanted to see what percentage of the time what does Enigbare line up on what would be the defense's left side, uh, which then would be in front of Kennard versus the other side. It, it's about a 50 50 split. So, um, so whichever guy, is it Aaron Sterling? Is it JJ? Is it Jordan Strong? Is it Jordan Birch? It's going to be several guys will be rotating in. But this guy against South Carolina's edge, ends, whatever you want to call them, uh, is another key matchup for me. Uh, what do you think about those matchups, and do you have any key matchups, man? Yeah, I mean, you, you definitely stole one of mine, and, and Robinson versus pick your Gamecock defender. You know, like yeah. – Pick your DB. <laughs> yeah, pick, pick your defenders and and then go from there. That's a guy that you've got to contain. I think this is a, it's tougher to pick an individual in the D line because that's such a collective, you know, group. But I think we we've talked all week about affecting Will Levis. That's going to be up to the D line largely to do that. Now the secondary, the linebackers. I mean, all that's going to work hand in hand. But ultimately, if the defensive line's having a good night and they're able to harass him your chances of having a better outcome are, are significant. So that's not kind of a one-on-one. That's more of a uh, a group effort, you know, a tag team effort on him. Um, to stick with the wrestling analogy, you know, you want to make that a handicap match. You know, you want to you want to be able to have multiple defenders kind of running at him and affecting, you know, his ability to throw the deep ball, his ability to scramble around. That's certainly, certainly something you got to do. For me, Wes, on offense, you know, when I think about this, Offensively, I don't think as much of a okay Josh Van versus East of Corker, you know, any of their DBs, Cedric Dort at corner. I don't think about that as much. I think about more of the collective of this offensive line in the front and all that working together. Um, so I don't really have a specific matchup on offense as much as this offense just needs to be clicking much better than we've seen and and be be able to be more balanced than we've seen. Yeah, dude, I look at um, – there's there's all types of different ways we could sort of structure saying the same thing, basically. You know, like um, South Carolina's offensive line versus Kentucky's defensive line. South Carolina's – really, South Carolina's offensive coaches, like, you know, the the game plan versus Stoops and and those defensive coaches – Luke Doty versus the Kentucky scheme, you know, like how how well does how well can he quickly process what they're in and, and find the openings and what will be, I believe, a pretty heavy zone defense. It always is. So, um, you know, th- this is actually now it was a terrible game for South Carolina last year. This is one of the few teams Luke Doty can say he's played before as a quarterback. So, what what did he learn? from playing Kentucky last year about this, this defense. And, um, you know, I, I think, man, again, I, I go back to the crowd again. I've said it probably a hundred times this week. The crowd has to affect this game and put South Carolina in a position. And special teams, I think we talked about that yesterday. We, we may we may talk about this every week, but can South Carolina, can 
can Pete Limbo and the guys on that side find that on film advantage, that that little thing that maybe gives you an edge in this game that goes, in my opinion, even beyond just executing better on special teams, which I think South Carolina has executed pretty darn well on um, on, on special teams so far, especially considering this was a defense that we weren't really necessarily sure about coming in, especially at the linebacker position. As many linebackers and safeties as you need, um, you know, to be good on special teams usually. Uh, I think those guys have played uh, – kind of played above their heads, honestly, on, on special teams. But can, can they find a schematic advantage somewhere on special teams, man? Yeah, and we talked to Jeff Drummond at Cats Illustrated about that yesterday and, and, and asked him about special teams. and uh, Kind of boring, you know. And so, in some ways, that's good. But if the feel right now is that special teams have not been super impactful, South Carolina's – made some impacts there that we've seen in multiple games. There's been certain things in each game that you can point to, especially in the first two EIU and ECU. So is that an area that they can, can you do something, you know, can you, can you cause a turnover? Can you get a return that maybe it's not a touchdown, but it gets you in good field position on a kick return. Are there some hidden yards to steal that maybe people aren't really talking about that after the game, but it ended up being a significant part of the process. Can you continue limiting the other teams with what they do in the return game. That's, you know, potentially a significant issue. So I think uh, I, I think special teams is definitely an area where you're not going to be able to pick out individual matchups, but it's certainly something to watch, you know, in this one. Yeah, no doubt, man. All right, so uh, that's going to do it for the Friday episode of the show slash Kentucky preview slash big recruiting weekend preview. We'll have plenty more on GamecockCentral.com. Uh, if you have not already, go check out that complete list. I Just before, actually, as we were going on air, I added a, a bunch more names on there. So lot, lots going on on GamecockCentral.com. Um, SEC Nation in town, live from uh, the Horseshoe at some point on Saturday, and uh, just a, a really busy, really fun weekend, I think. So everybody listening, you all have a great time. Enjoy it. Soak it up. Fall weather is here, too. It's going to be really fun. Hopefully we'll run into some of you out there around the game and in the stadium. And until Monday, uh, y'all enjoy it. Have a great weekend. For Chris, I'm Wes, and we'll see you Monday. The world is always on, but you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. During Mattress Firm's Labor Day sale, get a king for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $700 on Sealy. Talk to a sleep expert and unjunk your sleep today. Mattress Firm. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.